Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, time for another episode of Cranked and Ranked and the second and final part of our Van Halen album ranking. Uh, as usual, it is me, Stephen, a.k.a. Old Head, and with me, uh, my compadre from the other side of the pond, Mr. Eddie Sparks. How you doing, sir? Hell yeah, dude. Let's talk about some fucking Van Halen. Like the 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 better half too. Like yeah. Let's really, <laughs> yeah. let's really get into let's get into the fucking party mode, dude. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> so last episode was the first half of the of the least to greatest Van Halen. We did twelve through seven, and now we're doing six through big old number one. Um and yeah, for the these all of these albums are great. Like this is just gonna be us talking about how great albums are but as usual in order to do these these rankings we have to be a little bit picky in order to figure out where things go and yeah. um so yeah um do you have anything you want to say before we get started with this episode uh i had a great time doing this list uh it it was like one long party <laughs> <laughs> but um overall i'm really excited to talk about these top six dude yeah, yeah, me too. Well, let's not uh, beat around the bush, as they say. Let's go ahead and get started with your number six Van Halen album. Cool. So my number six, I've gone for Fair Warning. All right. Good, good so, album. Hell yeah. The guitar tone is, is ramped up in its nastiness. Mm -hmm. It's really got much more of an abrasive metal edge to it. Um, Starting out with like Mean Street, it's got this dark, mysterious edge to it and shows off a more mature sounding Van Halen. Dirty Movies keeps that dark feel going. So far, there's not been much upbeat stuff and it's a lot more plodding and heavier. Uh, also, a good, there's a good groove on this album. Yeah, which, which brings me to Stripper Riff. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it's complete with the ad lib of "Take it all off" with an applause to with an applause to boot, and it yeah. just this could be one of the earliest, ah, oh, definitely one of the earliest '80s stripper riffs. Yeah, like Van Halen, they didn't do it often, but when they did it, they did it well. And there's oh, there's just so many good songs in in this half of the episodes, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sinner Swing, like it's a more upbeat track, but it still has more of an edge to it. Like you know, David Lee Roth even says <gasps> the F word. Yeah, oh my God, it, it's is it weird that it feels off-putting when he says it? Because it's almost like I don't know any other any other time when he says a cuss word in a Van Halen song, and so when he says like "You look so fucking good," I'm like, oh, Dave, Dave. <laughs> You know, cool it there, buddy. <laughs> you, you you can definitely tell that they really focused in on making this a much edgier release. Like there is, there's a lot to it that makes it their their kind of nastiest one. Yeah, and it's really it's really dark and sleazy. And and this is 1981. Also, this is like when New Wave was in full swing, really. And so, and they were just doing this down and dirty Van Halen album. Yeah, and. There's kind of a trajectory that you can hear as Van Halen goes along mm -hmm. where 
sure, the first couple albums kind of follow in the same vein, but then uh, Women and Children First, you start hearing more sounds that uh, Eddie is, is innovating with, and then here he takes all of the dark stuff and really ramps that up. And uh, there's, like I said, there's a real metal edge to this. Um, did I get to, yeah, hear about it later, starts with, uh, starts with chorus, I'm invested, this one definitely has the closest feel to the previous albums so far, uh, and then you get Unchained, which basically laid the foundation for every glam metal riff that followed it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's also a fucking tune, um, hell yeah, like it, it that song it, it's the song i think of when i pick up this album but like as as a as a whole package it does kick ass mm-hmm. um push comes to shove brings the funk to the table with some sexy bass work uh so this is love is a catchy one sunday afternoon in the park has this wild spooky 80s horror sci-fi sound to it and one foot out the door closes out the album, continuing those strange but really cool yeah. and in innovative sonic choices they chose it's, for these last two tracks. I'll talk about these more when I get to this album, but it's I, I keep especially on one foot out the door. I'm always like, is that an, a full on synthesizer or is that a bass pedal making it sound like that? But I was like, in '81, did they have that? Because it's because it's, it's it's clearly synths on Sunday afternoon in the park. And then it leads into one foot out the door, and and it just it's so it's like a it's a bass line, but it's a synthesizer, but it's just so fat and juicy sounding. It's just uh, it's very <laughs> cool. But I never I've never known if it's if it's actually Michael Anthony playing something through a pedal or if it's Eddie Van Halen playing on a synthesizer. I think like. Van Halen were just one of those bands that was ahead of the curve. Hell with, yeah. You know, every everything they did. You know, when you think... You can point to, to Van Halen 1 as the genesis of the hair metal era, but glam metal didn't really reach the mainstream properly until about 83. So, yeah, you know, yeah. there's a good five years there where Van Halen were just doing these kick-ass albums before anyone else was even at the fucking party. <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool album, an edgy album, and uh, one that I've grossly neglected over the years, so I'm going to give it a lot more love in uh, the future. But yeah, that is... Absolutely. That's my, that's my number six, Fair Warning. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'm not going to talk about that one yet. Um, so the my list, the the two that I went back and forth on where they were going to go were number six and number five for me. And um, in the end, I was just like, all right, I'm mulling over this way too much. I'm just going to go with my gut. And my gut told me that uh, the number six album for me by Van Halen is OU812 hey. from 1988, which is the second album with Sammy Hagar on vocals. And this was an album that um, for some reason, because I got into rock music and I loved 1984 when it came out when I was a kid. For some reason, 
I mean, clearly, if you listen to the last episode, I'm not a big fan of 5150, but that album just flew right past me and I didn't give two shits about it. And then OU812 came out and I was a 10 year old kid and I ate this shit up. I loved this album. Yeah. I didn't care who the singer of Van Halen was. Sonically, this album really did it for me. And it still does. It, to me, out of all of the four Sammy Hagar Van Halen albums, this feels the most like a Van Halen album to me. Yeah. The, the, the Sonically, the songwriting wise, I, I do realize that they still are in the cheese ball area with some of these songs. It's, you know, cause <laughs> I mean, it's Sammy. I think that that's in Sammy's blood. He's a, he, he's, He's more of a heartfelt kind of guy. Maybe I'm wrong, but he it just seems like the all of a sudden things shifted that way um when he joined. And yeah, you could say it's a lighter version of Van Halen, but it is it is Van Halen and there's things that I like about Van Halen that are on all of my favorite albums are it's not just the musicianship or how well a song is written. It's that they throw little weird changes into the songs at times that are totally unnecessary, but make them very cool. And there's a lot of those on OU812. And um, the as as cheesy as it is, as much as I like to poke fun at like on the on 5150 songs like Dreams, um, When It's Love is a fucking amazing song. A yeah. really well written. It's a it's a pop rock song. But it is one of those things where I'm just like, how does it, how does it feel when it, no, how does it feel when you write a song? I don't know. I have, I want to be in the room when they're throwing this song together. And it just, it's just so the, the, just the basics of it are good. But then the way that it's structured is also really good. It is like a perfect pop rock song, in my opinion. Totally. Um, and on top of that, you do have a lot of rockers on here, like Mine All Mine and then into the AFU Naturally Wired. Like, it's, it's a more rockin', to me, uh, Van Halen than 5150, but they're also, it's almost like they're giving you the best of both worlds, which that song is not on this album. <laughs> but um, that would be appropriate if they did put that song on this album. But um, to me, I think I made the reference with 5150 that it sounds like it's a Sammy Hagar album that he got Van Halen to be his backing band. And this feels like a Van Halen album with Sammy Hagar singing on it. It's almost like they kind of they had some success with 5150, so I think that they were comfortable enough just to all of a sudden let themselves gel together as a as a cohesive band and it I think it really shows on this album. I don't it's a solid album all the way through. It's got a great energy all the way through. Even the songs that I find less interesting, the performances just bring them to life. And there's no boring moment on this album. Um, I also love, I mean, there's, there were some, you know, big songs when it came out. I think Feels So Good was a, a hit or on the radio or something. Um, and then Finish What You Started, I've always loved that one. That's got a nice little, it's like a stripped down kind of groovy I don't know if groovy is the right thing, but it's got a nice, uh, it's got a nice groove to it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, but overall this album, not only is it what I feel is the best Sammy Hagar Van Halen album, it's also out of the four they did. I think it's the one that aged the best. And I think it's because it's got more of a classic Van Halen quality in it. Whereas the other three, 
have some of it, but not, I don't know. It doesn't nail it the way that this one does to me. And at the time, like I said, when I, I was 10, when this came out and I listened to the fuck out of this album, I had it on cassette and I just yeah. totally loved it. And um, I, I still do. It's still a fucking great album. And that is my numero um, siete. And yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, OU812. Awesome. Well, I can keep the OU812 conversation going because that is my number five. Awesome. Uh, see, I, I've always been of the mindset, I treat Hagar era Van Halen and... David Lee Roth era Van Halen as kind of two different bands, but I love them equally. So yeah, I, I really enjoy the Hagar vibe and this album blew me away. And it's the first time I've heard it in quite some time. Um, you know, doing my notes for this and I forgot how fucking good it is, dude. Yeah. Like, and there's so much on here that you would hear and think, Oh, this is, this is, Eddie's fucking jam. I cannot believe like it, it even came out in the late eighties. That's like a guaranteed win for me. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, for some reason, this album, I just didn't pick it up for a long time. And then all of a sudden I sit down for, you know, research for this episode. And I'm thinking, fuck mine or mine is a full on montage song. It's driving. It's got double, <laughs> double kick, pulse and enough synth to summon the cast of rocky four i fucking love it you know <laughs> and like it was this kind of stuff that i love about the hagar era it's just that badass driving along kind of swingy but not giving a fuck what's in its path kick-ass montage rock um and then track two you get when it's love and it's kind of this catchy half ballad track. It really gets stuck in your head. And those synths are so deliciously 80s. You know that yeah. I love it. <laughs> but my favorite part of the song is that um, the, the synth part that plays at the beginning, they do it vocally at the end. Yeah. And that always gives me a little bit of the chills. Like, you know, that's when I know that I'm not fully metal, that, that, that a, a part <laughs> like that in a song can make me go, oh, God, that's beautiful. It's so good yeah. how they did that. And that you know, there's there's room for beauty in hard music. You know, there are just some bands that can pull that shit off, and Agreed. Van Halen was one of them. Um, AFU, Naturally Wired. You know, some serious riffage going on there. Uh, so far, we've had three totally different feels from these tracks, and you and I both like a nice bit of variety on an album. Uh -huh. This album is possibly the most varied of all the van halen albums i, I think I, I would go with that yeah like then you get fucking cabo wabo uh once again a whole other feel it's got this like kind of zeppelin-esque groove running through it then you get then you get source of infection dude up tempo van halen always a big fan of that kind of swing feel they break out and then so far there's just something for everyone here and this song in particular, is just this fucking onslaught of badassery. And, <laughs> like, I'd say, what is it? Mine or Mine and Source of Infection so far were my two favorite tracks because they just 
take everything I love about this era of rock music and crank it to fucking 11. They, they must have known that because that's how they start each side of the record. Mine all mine yeah. is side A and Source of Infection is side B. They're really energetic openers. Yeah. I, I would definitely say that. Feels so good. It's like, ooh, a nice bit of synth. Me likey. Uh, <laughs> finish what you started. That kind of bluesy, twangy, groovy, classic rock kind of feel. Black and blue is just straight up plodding kick-ass rock. Sucker in a three-piece, you know, sticking it to the suits, man. Uh, straight up hard rock goodness. <laughs> yeah, these, these millionaires are sticking it to those, <laughs> those suits. <laughs> I think even when I was 10, I was like, aren't these dudes like rich rock stars? Like, what are, who are, they, who are, they, what are they talking about? <laughs> it's like, it, I kind of liken it to when um, Judas Priest were in their Turbo era and you listen to the, like, you listen to the lyrics of songs from Turbo and they're all like 40-year-old dudes at this point, but they're singing like these most teenage lyrics possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's a good thing. Other times yeah. it's a little bit... Uh, Ham-fisted. Cringy. cringy. Yeah, or, or that, yeah. <laughs> but uh, finally you get A Political Blues, which is just straight up, straight up a blues rock track. Which I don't and know if I've ever heard that song because that's not on the cassette or vinyl, which is the only two ways I've ever heard this album. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. You know, that's the thing. That's that's the thing of growing up in my generation. You know, everything's a reissue, so everything has a bonus track. Oh, so it's so. a cover song. Oh, is it? Yeah. Ah. He, it, it looks like it was maybe a, maybe a song by Little Feet. Um, Possibly. Yeah, um, it, it says it's credited to Lowell George, who was in Little Feet. But yeah, anyway, I, I don't I don't know it. I'll have to go back and listen to it. Cool. Uh, yeah. OU812. I had to stop myself then from saying OU818 because that's a Mr. Bungle demo that I also <laughs> love. And we keep cycling back to Mr. Bungle. <laughs> um, uh, spoiler alert. It's not the last time they're going to be brought up in this episode either. <laughs> so um yeah also the name OU812 I've always really I really like it and I don't yeah. know what it what it's necessarily supposed to mean but after 5150 I'm just like okay that's a code for something like a like a police code I think and yeah. uh, and then this one it's just like what does it mean nothing it just means OU812 like another you ate a piece of it also yeah <laughs> and it's just it's just kind of a fuck off title and I love it so <laughs> You gotta love good fuck off titles, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is that is OU812. Cool. Uh, and so let's uh, let's quickly move on. So I said that there were two of mine that were battling for position, and this one originally I was like, it has to be in the first half, but maybe it should come up in the rear uh, for s certain reasons. But at the end, when I went back and listened to it <laughs> he again, he said rear. <laughs> <laughs> and um but I, I went back and listened to it again and, and every time if you take this album and OU812 and you say which one would you rather listen to this one wins every time um my number five is a different kind of truth hey. the, the last Van Halen album wow and yeah came out came out in 2012 and at the time I didn't really give it a good shot because the lead single was the song Tattoo, which to me is the worst song on the album, and it starts the album. So yeah. I remember hearing it, but not really paying much attention to it until a couple years later, I think. 
And that's when I really started to catch on to how fucking good it was and is. And it's a 14, not okay. So it's a 14 year gap between albums for Van Halen, but it was a almost 30 year. Am I right here? Almost 30 year gap for David Lee Roth being in Van Halen. So 84, 94, yeah, almost 30 year gap. Yeah. From the last Van Halen album with David Lee Roth to this one. And the, the, the big thing about this is that to me, this feels like a Van Halen album. The fun is back. The attitude is back. The fucking performances of everybody on this album. Like I just, it, it, you think about dudes like, so, I mean, were they, they in their fifties when they did this album? And yeah, yeah. And they kick a lot of fucking ass in this. Everybody. Well, I guess, I guess Wolfgang is not in his fifties, but still. Um, So yeah, this is the one album where Michael Anthony had been kicked out or left uh, Van Halen and uh, Eddie Van Halen's son, Wolfgang Van Halen stepped in as a bass player doing a phenomenal job. But also I think he, tastefully paid tribute to Michael Anthony's bass playing because there's little things like the little, the real, like Michael Anthony would do those staccato bass things underneath stuff, creating that extra layer of rhythm. Yeah. And, uh, and he does a lot of that. And so I, I, I think that that dude deserves a lot of credit for stepping in when he's asked to, but also just not making it, Oh, this is, I'm going to do my own thing. No, he helped them create a fucking Van Halen album. And there's so much good energy on this. There's so much good grooves. There there are so many great songs that remind me of how the old Van Halen made me feel. Sometimes it's just a fun vibe. Sometimes it's kind of a, a real rockin'. It's a, it's a, it's a rock song in a way that you could tell they didn't give two shits about what the song was going to be they just threw some ideas out there and did it and then because they're experts at this shit it just comes out sounding amazing and um so i know i know that i don't know how many of these songs stemmed from stuff they wrote in the 70s but some of them at least do um yeah. i all, all i really have to go off of is what you can get from like a wikipedia article and um i don't know how much faith to put in that but (laughs) overall it appears that these were all kind of older riffs and songs that they reworked or whatever and i think that was a great idea especially when you're getting a band back together a classic band i almost feel like every band that's had a really long gap that's really well known and they're older now i think this is the first thing they should do just to get their chops back up Revisit some old shit. Don't re-record your hits, but take some B-sides, take some leftovers, at least to help you. Because I think that that's why this album is so good, because they didn't just say, we're going to write brand new Van Halen songs, because they may that may have sucked. I mean, yeah. I, I, you never know. And so just the fact that they put out an album with this amount of energy and this in it, that's this enjoyable... You know, 34 years later, I think, was is is uh, how long from their first album, because you have 78 to 2012. And it's just, uh, yeah, this is fucking Van Halen to me. As much as you, like, you made a really good 
remark about Sammy Hagar about you almost have to separate it as a different band. Yeah. And and when you're when when you're being honest with yourself, you're you you, you know, you could like both of those bands, which I do, but I prefer Van Halen with David Lee Roth. And hearing this again every time, even now, like like 8 years later, I'm still like this album is so good. It's just it's almost like it feels like a band celebrating their past, having a great time playing together again. Um, it doesn't sound forced. It sounds like a natural album. It doesn't sound like a band retreading stuff. It still has a freshness to it that's really strange because it also has a nostalgia to it. Really, it's pretty genius that they walked that tightrope of not sounding dated, but at the same time completely celebrating who they were at the beginning. And... Really, the only thing these aren't these aren't necessarily bad things about the album, but the the I guess the bittersweet thing about this now is one, it's the last Van Halen album um, since um, Eddie Van Halen has has now passed. But also, Michael Anthony is not on here, and that just bothers me for some reason. And it, <laughs> it only really bothers me when it comes to the backing vocals because they tried their best. You can tell. They they recorded some of some high pitched backing vocals to give that the 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 Michael Anthony kind of thing that he would do, but it's yeah. not the it's not the same. I don't know how that dude hit some of those notes he hit. Like he's like way the fuck up there doing those high harmonies, and he and does playing it. bass at the same time. And, yeah, and playing bass, but also he he has a voice that just fit right in the pocket to where. If the, if if a lot of those Van Halen albums weren't done in the seventies, I would go. That's fucking auto tune, <laughs> you yeah. know. I would, but that's how great he was at that. So he's 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 missed on this album. But nothing you can do about that. This album is what it is, and Wolfgang did an amazing job on this. The whole band did an amazing job on this, and I think I'm glad that you know if if, if that we got one more album and this was it because this is a nice. I think you're going to see as the years go on, this is going to be one of those albums that more and more people are going to be like, did anybody hear that last Van Halen record? Cause they fucking nailed it on that. And they did. Even if the song tattoo is a little bit, yeah, whatever <laughs> the, the rest of it's fucking great. So that's why it's my, uh, number five. Yeah. Just, just cycling back to what we were saying about Michael Anthony's vocals. Um, it's very much like when we kind of touched on there's, you often find with certain bands that do kind of gang vocal stuff, like Def Leppard, for example, we spoke about it in yeah. those episodes we did. Um, some voices just work together perfectly. And Van mm-hmm. Halen is just is just one of those, like all of the dudes in that band sang, as, as far as I know. Did Alex do a little bit or was, was he? I don't know. I don't think I ever saw him doing vocals, but I mean... I don't even know if how often I saw Eddie doing actual backing vocals. I guess he did them. Yeah. I think, oh, what was it as well? I was thinking of. I think the cool thing about that last Van Halen record as well is the fact that aside from David Lee Roth, it's pretty much a family band. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's yeah. Like three quarters of them are Van Halen, which is, which is cool. But, yeah, uh, that, yeah. I mean, that's that, that I, I do. I have to say that if they were going to get somebody to replace Michael Anthony, I like that they did that and not yeah. just get some studio bassist or some other dude. Um, maybe, maybe that's why, you know, Wolfgang understood the importance of, of um, 
celebrating what Michael Anthony did, even though he wasn't there. It just it sucks that he wasn't there. Yeah, but let's just be thankful that he's on. He's on. He's on most of them. He's on most of the records. That's true. He is. <laughs> he's he's he, still collecting his checks. He's doing good. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so my number four is women and children first. Hey, okay, cool. Hell yeah. So right off the bat, you can hear it in the very first few notes of this album and the cradle will rock, which is an absolute anthem is actually an electric piano. And it's, it's got, it's just such an interesting sonic choice showing that Van Halen were up for experimentation so early on in their career. Because really, they were only two years into having albums out. You know, this was 1980, I believe. Yep. It's the first 80s record. Then you follow it up with Everybody Wants Some, gives oh, us this yeah. killer one-two punch. And then you get Fools, man. Like, oh, Like, when that mean riff kicks in, dude, like, it's really hammering on that riff. Yeah. Uh, it does go on a bit at nearly six minutes, but the parts where it shines are damn good. Uh, Romeo Delight, you know, God damn, those are Hetfield levels of down picking at points. <laughs> like, I, that took me off guard when I stuck that song on and I just started hearing these rapid chunks, just chug, 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 chug. I was like, what the fuck? Is this a thrash album? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it sounds fucking chunky, and the guitar mm-hmm. on that track is mind blowing. Um, Torah, Torah, or or as David Lee Roth would do, like a Torah, Torah kind of like <laughs> overdub or something. It, it's kind of a prelude to the next track, but it gets you hyped. And it, it sounds, sounds like the, it sounds like the intro of a Black Sabbath song to me. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I, I get that exact same kind of vibe. There's a real Iomi feel to it. I thought, yeah. So they've just hit me with a thrash song and now they've gone doom. Fuck. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they do whatever they want. They're Van Halen. And that's the thing I love about these, like the albums where you can really hear the experimentation. Cause as much as they had a core sound, they would throw little things in there that they didn't have to put in there, but they make the music so much better. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get loss of control. Oh my God. The yeah. fucking the speediness of this song you know i forgot how impressive on a musical level this album really is because god damn like some of the parts in that song just make me go what the fuck are they playing there but it sounds so good yeah that song is like the highlight of the album for me because it's not as much as i love everybody wants some but that is like a van halen song loss of control is like where did the song come from and (laughs) It, it, that's why I love about them. They they would do these tracks where they just said, fuck it, we have an idea, let's do it. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. We're, we do whatever we want. And it just comes out sounding so badass. And yeah. it just lets the album breathe. It has different moods and stuff. And it's especially like lyrically, or vocally speaking, when it comes to, to David Lee Roth, the yeah. lost control, lost control, lost control. Like that doesn't sound like a David Lee Roth thing. Yeah, but um, but it's great. I just love hearing them take chances, and that's why it's fun. So let me go ahead and do it. Um, Loss of control was covered by Mr. Bungle 
on their uh, on their live thing they did, which was called the night they came home or whatever. It was a live stream thing. And their awesome. cover of Loss of Control is pretty fucking sweet. So, <laughs> I'll have to check it out, dude. So I, once again, talking about Mr. Bungle, <laughs> every, <laughs> it just seeps in. Even if we don't want to, it's going to come in somehow. Hell yeah. But like, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I love, I yeah. love me some, I love me some Bungle. Yep. But uh, yeah, Loss of Control. I actually went and looked up covers of the song because I wanted to see it being played and I wanted to know exactly what was going on. Because yeah. some, some of the stuff, like, if I recall correctly, it's, it's been a minute since I saw the video, but there's a video of two guys, one guy's on guitar and one guy's on drums, and some of the limb independence played on the drums is fucking mind-blowing. And as a drummer myself, I think... God damn, I need to step up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. We At this point, we haven't really given a lot of props to Alex Van Halen because mm. that dude is a monster. Jesus in, Christ. In, in the best ways because he can do some more complicated things, but also he can hold the groove down in the pocket to where yeah. it just feels perfect. And so, and that guy, I'm sure for drummers, he's probably a guy that drummers talk about a lot. Um, but... Uh, I don't hear it a lot, but I, you know, everyone, I mean, obviously that's the thing that's interesting about this band to me is that all four of the dudes, like even David Lee Roth, he's not the best singer in the world, but he, nobody sounds like David Lee Roth. Nobody plays guitar like Eddie Van Halen and Michael, and so on and so on. They are a, a band of four unique virtuosos that just made amazing music. And that's why I think that's, that's there are some bands that like people lose their shit over, and I'm like, I get it, I get why you would over Van Halen because that's it's just there's no other band like them. Totally agreed, and it's like you said with David Lee Roth, it, you don't have to be a classically trained, perfect pitch singer to be able to work a crowd like a motherfucker because that dude, you know. Was he into like gymnastics? Because the dude could pull off crazy stage moves and stuff. And I think he's. I think he's been into everything physically yeah. speaking. <laughs> I feel like he's done karate. He's he's done acrobatics. Probably who, who the fuck yeah. knows? But I mean, he's been he's been a limber motherfucker from day one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just it's it's one of those cases where, yeah, maybe he's not, you know, Pavarotti, but God. Damn, can that fucker work a crowd? Yeah, Pavarotti <laughs> couldn't could couldn't sing Van Halen. That's oh, why sure. <laughs> you know, as great as that dude is, he's good at that style of music. You put him in front of some heavy guitars, that dude would be totally lost. So <laughs> And I you know what? And on the other side of things, if you put David Lee Roth in the middle of some some opera style music, I think David Lee Roth would find a way to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I, I totally agree. We'll have to do David Lee Roth at some point as well. Just his oh, solo his, records. His, his, yeah, his solo stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Uh, back to my track by track. We've got Take Your Whiskey Home, this kind of bluesy groover. Can't go wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And then you get Could This Be Magic? Shows off that some pretty acoustic playing, showing that they've di diversified a lot since the first two records. And then you get In a Simple Rhyme, just this big rock song destined for stadiums, but 
Also, I have one gripe with this album. That right. riff, that riff they chucked on at the end of the song should mm-hmm. have been its own full-length song. That riff was wasted, dude. That fucking riff rules. I I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they 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 could have made another song but they didn't they put it at the end of that one i don't know that that's that's one of the charms of their early stuff is that they they're technically around eight songs around 30 ish minutes and you get everything you need there's no yeah. filler and True. so um that yeah, doesn't could, strike me as a filler riff though dude that no no but, but you know what when you're <laughs> when you're eddie van halen sometimes you have to like you know take a great riff and just put it somewhere true true that but uh, yeah, that's my that's my number four with uh, women and children first. Awesome! That is also my number four. Women and hey, children first. We matched. <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> Cheers! So uh, so yeah. So I mean, there's not a lot more we can say about this album. It's a really great album, and the cool thing about it to me in the in the evolution of Van Halen. We talked about last time about how Van Halen 2 was kind of a misstep. It's an underwhelming album following Van Halen 1. This is not. It's almost like they had the momentum and the time to put together another great album. And it was still done one year after Van Halen 2 to the month it came out. They were doing one album a year, which also included their touring cycle. So so I, I feel like maybe my assumption is correct about Van Halen 2 where they didn't expect the album to blow up their first album and so they weren't quite prepared when they did Van Halen 2 it's still good it's just you hear here that they had better shit to do and to me from this point on with Van Halen not to give anything away from this point on with Van Halen they continued to progress in a very impressive way like they I, I I love that. I love their discography because of how the albums start going from this point on. And we already talked about Cradle Rock. Everybody wants some great, great, uh, great opening tracks. Um, I, I said this some on the first episode that it is interesting that the production style for the first like fucking five albums or six albums is so is so much the same. Yeah, all of the instruments kind of have the same space. It has the same vibe overall. It's just it seems like as the band was getting better at writing songs, Ted Templeman was getting better, I guess, at doing his his version of their sound. So this does sound better. Like each album starts sounding better and better um, up until an album that we'll talk about later. Um, but. The, the this just has a beefier sound, which I think is the thing that I like about it is that it sounds because heaviness isn't just loud guitar. Like you yeah. need to feel the bass guitar and the kick drum. It's important, you know, to feel those things. And this just feels like a way more inspired album. Um, really, like I don't have anything bad to say about it. There's no weak tracks. It's it's just killer shit from beginning to end. And really, I think that. When it comes to Van Halen, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming they already had solidified their fan base at this point, but I feel like this was an, was an album that if I had heard it at the time, I was two, so I didn't hear it at the time, it probably would have been an album that, that made me say, 
oh, these motherfuckers are here to stay. Like it, yeah. it's, it's, it has that kind of quality. So that's why it is also my number four, women and children first. Cool. So my number three, now we are in stone cold classic territory at this point. We're, we're deep into that section of this, of this ranking. But, but, uh, but I have a feeling that we may match up with something, but I feel, but there's going to be, I can tell because there's an album you haven't talked about yet. And so we're getting into, we're getting into some territory where we're not quite going to match up somewhere. There's, I think there's one that was way further down your list, but the other two we could, we could match up on. We could, let's find out what happens. Okay. So my number three pick is 1984. (laughs) <laughs> oh god is it whoa is it is that is that a matchup or is that a that no <laughs> i wow. number three like number i feel three. i feel like those dudes on youtube i want to comment on it be like what the fuck putting 1984 at number three <laughs> go clean your ears out jerk off <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. It just I, I didn't mean to play my hand there, but I was that was surprising. All right, let's talk about 1984. Well, here's here's the thing, right? I th- these top three for me could swap any day of the week, okay. but this one, as I analyzed the songs I love from each one, you know, now I look at it, I think it, it, it does look odd seeing it at number three. But I've made my list, and I've got to stand by it. So hey, I'm, I'm all about it. If we did the same albums for the rest of the episode, that would be boring. Hell yeah! So uh, starting right off, we got track one, 1984, just this badass synth intro. Wow! 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 Hopefully we don't get um, some sort of copyright thing. <laughs> It'd be like, take that down. That sounds too close to the original. <laughs> oh man! Seriously though, that that intro gives me goosebumps because I'm like, oh man, I feel like I'm at a fucking stadium and they're about to come yeah. on stage to jump. Please yeah. welcome. Yeah, you can yeah. hear that shit underneath it. Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> But yep. yeah, um, then you get Jump, which, you know, is such a classic song. You can't argue with the synth work. It's so good. And the solos, both the guitar and the synth solos are iconic and show that Eddie wasn't just a ripper on his main instrument. He could shred on fucking keyboards, anything. The dude the dude is amazing. Uh Panama is the soundtrack to driving a Trans Am. <laughs> it is just the <laughs> ult- ultimate badassery, you know, just driving down the strip kind of thing. Top Jimmy is just this upbeat and fun kind of thing that kind of boils over and then kicks off. And mm-hmm. oh man, like the track listings of these top three for me are just like banger after banger. Drop Dead Legs, one of the best stripper riff songs of all time. Then you get Hot for Teacher, which is the finest example of that upbeat, swingy, Van Halen rock and roll thing that I am in love with. Especially that, you know, as we were saying about Alex Van Halen earlier, 
that intro, I have tried for years to piece together which arm is meant to be doing what. <laughs> like, I, I feel if I was a drummer, I would play that every time I got behind a kit. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's the thing. Like, I'm fine for like the first like four beats, and then his limbs start doing their own thing, and I'm kind of like, wait, which arm is doing which? Because I'm pretty sure all of the until the toms come in. Like all of that, it's a double kick, right? It's it's double kick, but he's got like a he's got a he's got a kick drum that he hits with his hands as well. Oh, so okay. it's that's, it's that's like, how that's how he's doubling up the the sounds there. Yeah, it's okay. it's like I think it's called a gong drum when you have a um, it's basically a bass drum turned into a tom, but it makes a bass drum sound that you hit with your hand. And he's just doing these fucking rudiments on like three separate kick drums, and you're hearing it as like, wow, his feet are doing something wacky. But God, it's just such a great song from mm-hmm. start to finish. Like, and it's even got great guitar playing from Eddie, great, you know, vocals from everyone. You know, even Michael Anthony, like you said, he's doing but then my homework was never quite like this. Yeah, yeah. Like way up there with real power and conviction. And I, whenever the Hot for Teacher video comes on, I'm just like, I'm stopping everything I'm doing. I'm sitting down and appreciating this fucking work of art. Yeah, because I feel like that um, the the lyrical content takes away from how brilliant the song is. Yeah. Like the and the performances and everything, and really, "Hot for Teacher" is a song that I would say I feel it's the quintessential Van Halen song because, yeah. sure, maybe it doesn't have some of the qualities that the songs on the first album have that are that are classics. But when you take what Van Halen were capable of doing, songwriting wise, performance wise, and amazing production, and throw all that together in one track, I think that "Hot for Teacher" is that track. Yeah, agreed. 100%. It's just everything great about Van Halen in one place. Yeah. Uh, Then you get I'll Wait. You cannot fuck with the synth on that song. It's just got such a great groove to it. It's got a great sound. And it just goes to show as well, like during this kind of era of Van Halen, it showed that you can write a rocking song without the guitar being the main riff. Yeah. You know? And, and and that song has a co-writer. Do you know who the co-writer of that song is? Oh shit! Who is it? I'm Michael, gonna kick myself. Michael McDonald. Really? Yep. Holy shit! What a fool believes. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, he oh, was man. everywhere in the eighties. Like, it's like it's almost like Michael McDonald just showed up on everyone's album at some point. <laughs> It's funny you should say that because I immediately thought there is a there's a Toto song uh, called I'll Be Over You. And in the music video, Michael McDonald is there with doing backing vocals in the song. Yeah. But every now and again, you'll see his face like cross dissolve of him, like looking dramatically <laughs> at the camera. And it's like, heart stops breaking. It's just like whenever he appears, I think you're not in Toto. <laughs> like you're just Michael McDonald who just turned up for the shoot. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I mean, I, I, I this is, this is probably a, a, a um, 
an odd one that we can do in the future when we want to throw ourselves something a little bit different. But I mean, how do you feel about the Doobie Brothers? Dude, like what I've heard, I love. I love that kind of classic, like 70s kind of rock stuff. I've been really delving deep into that kind of stuff in the last like few years. Loving it. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a, there's a lot of bands that fall under that category that I don't like, um, but I've always really enjoyed the Doobie Brothers. So maybe that's one yeah. one day when we want to delve further back into the '70s, we can do that. Hell yeah, we got some dad rock going on. <laughs> well, it wasn't dad rock then. <laughs> I mean, the the, the Nord Doobie is in their name. They were smoking doobies, man. <laughs> All right, anyway, let's, 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 let's get back on to 1984. <laughs> he said doobie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Girl Gone Bad. It, now, something about these last two tracks always comes off as like, oh, hey, we've done some like really sing-along tracks in like the first two-thirds of this album. Yeah. Let's do two really intense, heavy ones at the end because we're fucking Van Halen and we can they, do what we want. Yeah, they, they, this part of the album fucking kills it for me. Like, it's, yeah. it's those songs are so good. Yeah, like, intense and wild, grinding. You know, these two are the heaviest moments on the album. And to think you start off with Jump and end with House of Pain, you yeah. know? <laughs> that almost sounds like a fucking, like, new metal song, like, House of Pain! Well, there was a... Yeah. Well, the, I mean, it was a white rap group, so... <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the connection. Oh, man. Like, everything just roots back to fucking Van Halen. Mr. Bungle, new metal, <laughs> it's all secretly tied to Van Halen. <laughs> but yeah, like... It is a fantastic record, and it's one of the the Van Halen albums I pick up. But yeah, yeah. that is yeah. that is my number three. Okay, my number three is not 1984. Um, oh, but we're we're not going to match up at all. I don't think we may on number two, but I don't really know yet. My number three um, is Fair Warning from 1981, hey. and this go. If you listen to what I was saying earlier about Women and Children First, I. The albums continue to get better, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And this one, the one thing I love so much about it, which you brought up, was the groove of this album. The bass guitar is front and center in this album, and it's it sounds so good. This is probably, when it comes to a more sort of classic uh, production style... This is where they nailed it the best, in, in, in my opinion. It's yeah. It's just um, um, yeah. It's so the so the the overall spacing of everything is kind of similar. Although some tracks, I noticed that they actually put the guitar in the middle or double it on both sides, which they didn't do that much um, yeah. early on with Van Halen. But I think that's I think that's what helps it sound a little chunkier as well. Yeah, but not all of it is like that. There's a lot. There's some of just you know left channel. Eddie Van Halen like you would get normally. But yeah. really it's like like I said when you were talking about it, the fact in 81, all of these things that were super popular in 81, I, yeah, sure, I guess there was rock music that was still popular, but the stuff that was like the big selling stuff or the stuff that was on MTV, the major, well, I guess MTV hadn't happened yet, right? That was 82? Fuck, I don't remember. No, um, it was 81. 81. Oh, it was 81? Okay. Because it was, it was all, you know... Uh, new wave kind of stuff 
And yeah. um, I mean, even some of the classic '70s peeps were were going into the new wave kind of territory, adding. Um, and, and it's funny because eventually Van Halen would full on embrace keyboards. And sure, there's a little bit of that on this album, but um, it doesn't sound like they're jumping on any bandwagon. This is still Van Halen just doing whatever the fuck they want in 1981. And I love that about them. And they progress how they naturally want to progress. And so I would say that there's not... Like, the biggest standout track on this album is clearly Unchained. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's not the point of the album for me. Like, I really just get kind of lost in the mood and the groove and the performances of the album. I almost... The, the actual songwriting on it, sometimes I don't even pay attention to it. It just feels really good listening to this album. And I love how, you know, you get to like push comes to shove and that sounds like it could have been disco, but yeah. at this point we're in 81 disco sucks is our, is already a thing. And <laughs> they're still like, whatever, we're going to use this kind of groove because fuck it, you know? And that's why that's one of the many reasons why Van Halen ruled. They, um, uh, they did whatever they wanted and it always, most of the time, especially on the, on the, the Dave albums ended up sounding fucking great. And yeah. so once again, the, that alone, the mood of the album, the production of the album, the performances, the overall vibe makes it an album that I love. And then you put unchained on top of that being this utter classic Van Halen song. And then you get that, the wrap up of Sunday afternoon in the park into one foot out the door, which it just, it's so just like, I wasn't expecting this, but this sounds amazing. It's just a, a couple of, you know, two minute tracks going into each other that just take you into a different place. And it's almost, yeah. it's almost like in hindsight, it's almost like the band letting you know, Hey, we're next time you see us, we're going to, we are going to have progressed beyond what you're expecting. And, and I feel with 1984 that that's what happened. Like they, they, yeah. they made the biggest album of their career. And so now listening to the last couple tracks on fair warning, it really feels like a band so confident. They're just like, we're, we, you know, we're going to blow your mind. So, um, you know, ta-ta for now, but next time, <laughs> next time you see us, um, we're going to be bigger than you could ever imagine. And it just feels that way. And I, I, I just, this album is just so great. And I love, um, I love hearing Van Halen be Van Halen because when they do it and they don't, they just do whatever comes naturally to them. It's it just shines a huge spotlight on the fact that they were were one of the best rock and roll bands ever. So and there you go. That's my number three. Fair warning. Awesome. Yeah, can't argue with that. These 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 upper echelon of albums, man. It's just imagine having a repertoire this fucking good. Yeah. Like just not even just down to individual songs, but like these albums especially you know the upper ones god damn and even you know we've we've said it before regardless i don't think that they're one of the you know some albums some albums more so than others but i don't think van halen tends to get critiqued as as much production wise because they just had such a such a unique sound to them 
Because yeah. really, like aside from maybe some Tom samples on Fifty One Fifty, they never really succumbed to the trend of those big reverb snares or things like that. You know that that dominated the eighties rock kind of thing. No, I mean a really great example of them not following trends was. By 1988, the music that they had created had become huge and all these bands were running with it and making these big, huge sounding sort of glammy metal albums. And they made OU812, which is. Yeah. And so they, they didn't give a shit. They were like, yeah, you guys can go play with all that shit all you want. We're over here doing our Van Halen shit. <laughs> It's kind of like the, uh, like, kind of, I created you kind of thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you don't tell me what to do. I can, I put you in this world and I can take you out. <laughs> yeah, we, we make the trends, guys. Hell yeah. I think as well, if you look at, like, this kind of, is it around this Hagar era that in, in OU812, just cycling back to that album for a second, mm -hmm. is that when they started flanneling up their look, you know, or was did that not start until For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge? I don't really remember because I, 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 I don't, I, it, just in my brain, I don't remember what they were wearing in the videos off of OU812, but yeah. um, I, I don't they know. Didn't, I they mean, didn't. They didn't really do the whole glammed up thing. No, at, no, at they, that point, they 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 never followed any kind of trend. Like that's yeah, that's the one. Well, one of the many great things about them, and then they didn't they didn't need to. And so, I mean, not that I have a problem with, you know, people are influenced by whatever they're influenced by, and if if I see somebody wearing some cool clothes and I go, wow, that yeah. looks really good, why would I not go get myself some of those clothes? If it if it so happens that it's a trend, well, then so be it. I. I like how it looks, you know, it's like, it's the same thing. When I was, when I was young wearing metal t-shirts, I wore them because the metal bands were big and that's what I was listening to. So I, yeah. I, I was also following trend. And so it's just, it's a dumb thing to, to, to critique when it comes to a band, you know, haircuts and, and styles yeah. and clothings. And cause it's just like, who cares? Like if, if you're, if you think something is what you're wanting to do, then you do it. Who, who, who cares? So, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, even though I am still one of those people where I see a picture of like this new hit metal band and I look at them and they all look like they work at, at Best Buy or something like they like there's they're all <laughs> short haired, but they're all but they all have neck tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, you guys, they, you guys don't look like a rock band. And I have to stop myself from being like, I don't want to listen to you because you look like turds. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain average Joe kind of look to, to metal bands these days that does kind of make me, you know, like I say, at the end of the day, the music is what matters. But I think there is a certain level of image that does kind of matter if you want to entice a certain crowd. Because, like, if, if you dress like an emo band, you're not going to appeal to a thrash fan regardless of how <laughs> how fucking rocking your music is i, I don't know from what i've gathered that it doesn't matter too much like the like yeah. the, i think that um especially my way of thinking is is very old school i don't think it i don't think anybody cares about hair and and clothes anymore i mean i, I mean they do but i don't think that 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 you know dictates how they're going to feel about a band i'm i'm the old fogey that's just like I don't know. Why can't people just look like they're metal anymore? 
Jeez. <laughs> and then the dudes yeah. that do look like they're metal, they're going too far. They're like, it's like really <laughs> heavy handed where it's like you got a leather jacket and a battle vest and some studs on your, on your bracelets. And it's like, you know, it's like, come on, dude. Okay. I, I you don't need to go that far. It's overdoing <laughs> it. Hell yeah. But, um, overall, yeah. Where were we? I've kind of, Sorry, <laughs> we're, we're now we on to your a- number two Van Halen we're- album. So this one for me is kind of my equivalent to you putting a different kind of truth so high up because okay. you put you put this one quite low and me being a fan of all things 80s cheese ball I put 5150 <laughs> 5150 baby all right. I mean, there, Hello, there are probably some baby. people listening that are like, right on, man. Fifty-one fifty rules. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not one of them. Yeah, for me, the first time I heard this, I was like, holy shit, this is like 1984, but with an even more 80s glammed up sounding singer, and it it does sound pretty much like a glam metal album in places. It's still Van Halen, but. I, I do agree it does sound like Sammy Hagar with Van Halen as the backing band. But I like that. I like that <laughs> weird weird kind of like this is I would say this is the most eighties sounding album they ever did. Yeah. Uh so focused. I mean you're talking nineteen eighty six, so this would have been peak eighties, eighties. So yeah, you get Good enough, which is a great opener. Why can't this be love? Uh, I will admit that one's not as great to me as How Do I Know When It's Love? Yeah, because that's a much, much better written song. It's still a tune, but I will say, Get Up, God damn, that's a great track. And it's got that kind of double kick, furiously unrelenting assault of badassery thing going on. And they just tear it up in that. I mean, song. yeah, there's there's still there's still enough Van Halen on here to to not make it like a total wank off of an album. It's just <laughs> it's just uh, yeah. So no, you're totally right on when the, when those moments come on in this album where they are you know in full rock mode, it still sounds fucking great. I will say I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna step in and I'm gonna defend dreams. <laughs> All right. This this is why I love this era of Van Halen. It's just drenched in that Rocky Four level of synth that I just I fucking love hearing in this kind of era of of rock and metal music. Just hey. All of these keys presets exist. Let's throw them all on the track and just fucking make it this spectacle. Yeah. And, you know, Summer Nights has got that pure 80s strip riff goodness. Best of Both Worlds is a good time rock and roller. Then you get Love Walks In, which is another awesome synth-laden ballad. 5150 is kind of this slightly progged up good time rocker. And then inside is this catchy, moody track at the end. But I just love how over the top this album is. <laughs> you know, there's there's so much cheese. It could be a fucking double quarter pounder. It's that it's got that much cheese. Also, I just, I, I I I really do think, and this is just me from my memory, and because I've never liked it. I, I think when I was a kid, I hated the album cover. 
I don't know what it was I hated about it, <laughs> but I was just like, this doesn't look like anything I want to listen to. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and even today I look at it and I go, I get what they were going for, but it's pretty dumb. <laughs> it's, it's pretty yeah. dumb. It's kind of like saying, hey, this is a heavy album because there's a big, chunky, muscled dude holding up this giant ball with the uh, with the fucking Van Halen logo on it. We're a real heavy and band. He, and, and he can't quite lift it because yeah. they're so heavy. But then <laughs> then you then you whack it on and it's just this fucking... Or whack it off. Yeah, or whack it off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this big, synthed out, big hair album and i love it for that reason and and as as much as i love 1984 there's just a certain over the topness to this album that i i have i have a condition called uh montage music brain where i will i will hear any 80s music and if it's got like a really cool motivational sounding synth in it I'm like, I'm going to get so much done today. You know? <laughs> you know? Sammy Hagar's on it, it's even better. I feel like Sammy Hagar did a montage song in like 50 movies in the 80s. Yeah, fun fact, he, he actually did a song for uh, Over the Top. I, I had that soundtrack when I was a kid. Oh, man. That's, that's a good film. <laughs> I, haven't seen, I haven't seen it in years because I know yeah. that I'm probably going to watch it and it's going to be really dumb. And like <laughs> I, I want to still see it through a kid's eyes where I'm like, that was so cool. They were just, <laughs> he turns his hat around backwards and then yeah. he's better at arm wrestling. <laughs> I wonder how many people did that after that <laughs> album came out and got their asses handed to them. <laughs> that is definitely like a weird trendy thing. Like it was like, who the like arm wrestling? That's, the a big thing now let's do a movie about arm wrestling <laughs> but yeah like this this album 5150 so kick ass i love it it's got its That's, good qualities i'm not I, I as much as I, I i guess i talked a little bit of shit about it but i mean it's still some quality stuff and i, I think i pointed out that the, the, my favorite thing about it is that they did make this transition with a new singer and it doesn't sound retread you know, they they no. didn't just do a Van Halen album again with Sammy Hagar. So maybe the fact that it doesn't sound too much like a straight up Van Halen album was to its benefit in the end. Yeah, totally, totally agree. <laughs> cool. Well, we, well, you know, we um, are not matching up at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Um, that's just one of those things or I, I, it makes a more interesting episode. And so my number two is the album that would be most people's number one. And I absolutely understand why it would be your number one, but it is not my number one. Uh, my number two is the debut album from 1978 Van Halen one. Wow. And it's it. This is, I mean, it, you know, there are some albums that, you know, you, you have those memes where you can insert an album cover and it's just like, take the power of this or whatever the meme might yeah. be. You just put the the album cover of Van Halen 1 and you don't need to say anything about it. It's yeah, it's become like a symbol of, of everything good about rock music. You know, it's yeah. it's just... Um, and it's not even that interesting of an album cover. It's just four pictures of the dudes 
in like a smoky dark room. I don't know. I look, mean, I don't know. Looking all cool and swishy. Were they? Li- <laughs> were they? I, I think I'm. I, I think it was a live performance that they that these were from because the other picture on it is them all sweaty backstage. Yeah. But um, <laughs> this is like I'm gonna be quick because this everyone talks about this album. Everyone loves this album. I can't add anything that anyone else hasn't already said. This is just. It feels like a greatest hits album and it's their first album. Yeah. Every track, for the most part, there's a couple that I wouldn't put on that list, but Running With The Devil, yeah. like, I'm not going to go track by track because I want you to do that. But just, you know, that song's already great, and then going into Eruption, which Eruption is now, like, like I, I, I was, this, this album came out, like, two months before I was born or a month before I was born, so I didn't get to hear it as a as a grown person knowing, you know, what I know now. But hearing Eruption for the first time had to have been life-changing for some people. Yeah. Like, I could oh, see time. that. And, yeah. And so, um, but anyway, so it's all these great songs. You got you know, Jamie's Crying, which Jamie's Crying is one of those songs that I love, but I also love it because I didn't go back to listening to the early Van Halen until I was in, I was like a teenager, I think. And so Jamie's crying to me was wild thing by tone Loke because (laughs) he samples it in the song wild thing. And so the first time I heard Jamie's crying, I'm like, Oh, that's where this sample came from. Because that's, (laughs) that's one of the things that I've always loved about, especially old school hip hop was taking music and, and, turning it into something else. I know people that wrote the songs always try to be all like, that's stealing. And I'm like, I, I don't understand that. If I, if I wrote a hit song and somebody took it and made it into something different that was also badass, I would be like, more power to you, dude. Like, I'm glad that I made something that made you want to use it for this other music. Now my music lives on in a way that I didn't even fucking intend it to. And yeah. so... So I, I like hearing those kind of things and then hearing where the samples come from because that's that that's a, that hits me in my sweet spot hearing a cool sample. But Jamie's crying on its own is a great song. But um, Atomic Punk is one of my favorite Van Halen songs. I, oh, dude, I love that song. The energy, the energy of this whole album. It is. It's one of the strongest debut albums ever made, and the the interplay between the four band members is already perfected on album number one. It just sounds so good. It's, 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 it's an all killer, no filler album. There's a couple of tracks that I, 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 I'm honestly not as big of a fan of ice cream man as some people are. Um, Uh, I'm a fan, but it's, (laughs) but it's fun. It's a fun song and it breaks up the album. They've, they had a variety of things on their album from day one. And, Honestly, I've heard this album so much that if I was, if I was, uh, I don't know, a lot of the kind of things that you hear on the internets, if I was one of those people, I would hate this album because it's fucking overplayed, man. (laughs) And, um, and honestly, when I was, when I was listening to them again and ranking them, I'm all like, man, I, I enjoy fair warning and women and children first more than this album but I think it's only because I've heard this album so many times now over the years. And so I had to let that go and I had to be like, this has to go 
either number one or number two, just for the strength of what it was, the meaning behind it, the influence that it that that was in its wake, the like like we said on the last episode, like a lot of these bands that you and I love, they're all influenced by this album. Like this, yeah. this album doesn't exist. Maybe we don't have thrash metal the way that we do, even though this isn't thrash, but maybe it didn't happen the way that it would have happened. It's just, it's a, such an important piece of the rock and metal puzzle. That, yeah. That it, it's it, any praise you, you heap on it, I think is still probably not enough praise. And I think this is one of those albums that when you and I are dead and gone and the majority of music from our era and eighties, nineties, two thousands has died off. This is one of those albums I think that's going to be looked upon like people look at like old blues albums or whatever and be like, yeah, yeah, man, I got that Van Halen one in my collection. Like it's going to be one of those albums. And so, um, yeah, so I don't go on for too long about it. It's, uh, um, it's, yeah, it's killer. And it's my number two. Well, what I, what I want to highlight, uh, before I go into my track by track, cause it is my number one, like you could put some, you could put some crowd noise just slightly quieter than all of the rest of the stuff going on in, on this album. And, it's like you said with the energy of it it's so great and and live sounding you could easily convince someone it's a it's a fucking live album you yeah. know there's there's not really too many bells and whistles to it it's just a straight up rock band doing these this kick-ass new take on it and I'd actually quite like to hear that, to be honest. Now I'm starting to think, hey, I've got I've got Logic Pro at my disposal. I might try doing that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it does have this phenomenal live feel to it. It does say and, on the on the wiki it was mostly recorded live, with just yeah. a, few, a few overdubs. And the coolest thing about it is, like you said, it's like a greatest hits album you could trick someone into thinking this was just a really good live set. Like it's, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just so fucking good. And, you know, it, it goes without saying, it's this flawless game-changing album. It revolutionized how hard rock and heavy metal would sound for the next 14 years following it. Well, even to the present day, because it was so monumental for the shred kind of stuff. But, God damn, like... The whole track list is flawless, in my opinion. There's not one dud here. Yeah. And for everyone who's sick of Eruption, that had a huge impact on guitar playing ever since it came out. And initially, I didn't even really bother with a track by track here because I thought that <laughs> I would be saying the same thing for every song. But, you know, Running With The Devil, it's got that great plodding groove to it. Eruption changed the fucking game on guitar playing. You really got me as a damn good cover of that kink song and it, it even shows off you know the the cool weird sex noise kind of stuff that david lee roth would do in these kind of sections <laughs> oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, like these he's a wild character ain't talking about love is one of my favorites yeah uh, me too me too i'm the one has that upbeat feel jamie's oh, crying that, that one's good too how did i not talk about i'm the one? Oh, that's oh. so good yeah. Oh, man. Like, Atomic Punk, like you said, fucking fantastic. 
Feel Your Love Tonight, Little Dreamer, Ice Cream Man. I love Ice Cream Man. It's, it's great fun. And then closing out with On Fire. I'm on fire! God. <laughs> like it, and it is like you said this had as much impact on the metal world as it did on the rock world and i mean i mean as we heard it had, it had an impact like some of the, a lot of these bands had an impact on hip-hop as well yeah like band like this that band, you know, bands like van halen and aerosmith and stuff like those they were sampled you know and, yeah. and other other bands afterwards so it's it it's yeah it's it's everywhere it's just such a, a flawless work of art, you know, and you can kind of tell that they were like, we don't have any albums yet, so we're still an unknown act. You know, they might have been tearing it up in the club scene, but, you know, they needed they needed discs to their name. And to come out of the gate swinging with something this fucking strong is is something that most bands wish they could do. Yeah. And God, it's just so good, man. Like, ah, oh, I, I can't see a single track on here that I wouldn't fucking crank. Oh. No, it's, it's it, it is it is it's the ultimate rock album. Like it's just it's it's so it's so perfect. It I agree, it's the ultimate rock album, and uh that is why it resides at number one on my list. Nice. Um, and while I say it is the ultimate rock album, in my opinion, it is not the best Van Halen album, which is insane. The you know, best like, Van Halen album by far. Like I don't even, this album exists on a plane that it, it, and like, I realized that half of this is, is like being critical. And the other half is just me following my gut and how I feel whenever I listen to the album. But 1984 is perfect. It is a perfect album that also happened to be a massive success for the band. Yeah. And it hits all of the marks that you want a Van Halen album to hit, in my opinion, but with amazing songwriting, yeah. like everything, every song is so well written and it was the first one where they actually took two years between albums instead of just yeah. one. They had done one album a year for five albums. Yeah. And then, five albums. And then two years off and did this one. And they, they came back with it's, it's, I, I realized that we're getting into the overplayed territory and, and is, is jump as good as running with the devil? No, it is not. But jump into Panama, into Top Jimmy, into Drop Dead, like the the sequencing of the album and the songs and the way the the different things that you get from each track. And it is just I I mean, there's a point in me that actually appreciates the fact that they split with Dave after this album. Because I think whatever they did with Dave after this would have been a letdown. Because you... Yeah. How do you follow this? And then so you take just the singles. I already said Jump and Panama. But Jump, Panama, Hot for Teacher. Three iconic tracks that not only are iconic rock tracks, but they... I don't know if they all three, but I think Jump especially crossed over 
into like the pop charts, I think. Like it was a massive hit. And and sure, it's got the keyboards and shit on it. But so as I mentioned in the first episode, this album was my introduction to actual rock and roll. And I have a I have a memory. I think I talked about this on uh, an old head episode of the podcast a year ago or whatever. Yeah, I have a I have a distinct memory, an early memory in my head, and so I had to have been seven, I think, seven years old, I think, when I got this album. Yeah, and my parents really wanted me to play sports. I didn't yeah. want to. I didn't want to play sports. And they put me in T-ball, which do you know what T-ball is? Ah, uh, shit. Uh, I'm well, thinking, I- is that is that the one with the it, the ball is on a rope and it spins around a? No, no, that's uh, uh, that's tetherball. That's t- um, ah, that's where I got so confused. T-ball is baseball, but it, for little kids, and they put the ball on a little. It, I mean, it's a tee. It's a basically a little stand, and the baseball is put on it, and you ah. hit, hit it off of that. And there's even still a pitcher that makes the pitcher motion. <laughs> like, yeah. now's when you're supposed to hit the ball. <laughs> so my parents put me in that, and of course I sucked at it, and I didn't want to do it. But I remember one day in particular, soon after I got 1984, I, I can even see it. I can feel it in my brain. The memory is this crisp with me. I'm in the outfield with my glove on and my little, my little baseball outfit for my team. And I'm not paying attention to the game. I'm literally in my <laughs> head, just going Panama <laughs> and balls are coming over and I'm not paying any attention. And the coaches are like, what are you doing? And I'm just <laughs> like, I didn't give any fucks about sports or baseball. All I cared about was Van Halen and very quickly after that, I all I cared about was finding other heavy rock music that led me to metal, led me to thrash metal, led me to all the things that, you know, we talk about. And I still feel that today when I hear this album. I still feel that sort of overwhelming, like, when this album is on, it is the most important thing I've ever heard. Even though yeah. it's not one of my favorite albums ever, but it is one of the most important albums ever to me. And then just taking that and listening to it objectively, the the performances, the songwriting, the production, everything is absolutely perfect. It, It sounds amazing. There's no bad song and they don't, and they don't just, you know, decide to be a little more poppy for the whole fucking thing. Like we talked about, you get an ending with girl gone bad and house of pain, which it's some of the heaviest shit they did. Yeah. And so as a Van Halen album, it, to me, even though it's, it's not like, you know, hit after hit or classic after classic, the way that Van Halen one is, I feel like this is the best that that era of Van Halen ever put out. Just just overall, overall as an album, it's pretty unfuckwithable in my opinion. And I love I love that term, unfuckwithable. Yeah. <laughs> and it has not only my favorite Van Halen album cover, but one of my favorite album covers ever. Hey. Just, just the, the the image of 
an, an angel kid smoking some cigarettes. <laughs> and and it's weird because he looks like a cross between a baby and a and an and an, and an adult. Like he yeah. doesn't. He has like adult hands. And everything about this is just one of those album covers. Where I'm like, who <laughs> who did this? And and what were they thinking? Because it's so good. It it almost yeah. like completely sums up what you're getting on the album without you even realizing that it does. Yeah. It's the it's the visual interpretation of 1984. <laughs> on an album cover and just, I, a, just a cherub smoking some marlboros <laughs> yeah i don't know but just the artwork is great along with the concept and so just that overall as a package if somebody said give me a van halen album because of where we are now like the given how much time we've had you know with van halen i i would go for this album first because i'd be yeah. like that you hear everything you need to hear and it's done as perfectly as they ever did it. And that's why it is my number one. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> these are pretty unfuckwithable albums at the top, man. Yep. Like, even now I'm looking at 1984 and I'm thinking that is a 10 out of 10 record. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, like, I could put any of these top six on and have a great time. Like even even up until like even up into halfway through the fucking last episode, like the top nine for me. <laughs> I mean, really, you, know, the, the, you don't get to an album where I go nah until you get to balance. Yeah, like that's it. Like up until that point, even the Sammy Hagar era stuff, I ain't gonna argue with you about putting it on. I'm gonna be like, hell yeah. I mean, why not? You know. And that's how many albums? That's eight, nine albums, something like that. It's a, it's a, that's a run of successful albums of a band making it through all these different trends, coming out the other end. Even, you know, even even if I didn't like Balance very much, they still continued to do the things that they did, and they never seemed like they were compromising. Like obviously, we don't know these people, and. And I think it's just as stupid to say somebody didn't compromise as it is to say somebody sold out because we don't know them. We weren't there. And so yeah. we, all we have is the little bits of information that we have that you can make your assumptions with. And it seems like Van Halen didn't do that. It seems like they continued to make Van Halen records the way that they wanted to do it up until the end. And unfortunately, there is an end. But um, we got a lot of great shit to listen to. And at the end of the day, you know, in in my eyes and and your eyes too it's it's very much a case of to me i don't care how much music how much money a musician makes good music is good music to me that's why that's why i'm i'm a big lover of the black album i think you know metallica's first five albums for me are, are like some people cut off at justice some people cut off at Ride the Lightning because of Fade the Black, and I think, come on, yeah, it's I mean, great it's, though. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's personal preference, and even if your reasoning is very flawed, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're 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 you know you're allowed to have your own opinions, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, it's I I, I agree with you. I don't, you know, an, an album like 1984. There was no. I think I, I bet you at the time there were people that were saying they sold out 
with 1984, but... Is that a synthesizer? Yeah. <laughs> but the, but the, the thing that everyone seems to forget is that there's no guarantee. If you take a chance and try to write a commercial album, even if it's all the way through, just completely changing your sound in order to please some you know group of people out there, there's no guarantee it's going to do well. So yeah. it's not like these people go, oh, it's a surefire thing that if we do this, we're going to make millions of dollars. They don't, <laughs> they don't know that until after the fact. The Black Album yeah. could have been really poorly received. Same thing with 1984. And um, they're both phenomenal albums. We, we'll get to Metallica eventually. I almost feel like now that we've been putting off getting back to Metallica, there's <laughs> a part of me that goes, I just want to let that one go out there. Like give it, give it some space because everyone knows that it's just going to be us gushing over albums for, for two episodes or however long we decide to do it. But anyway, but we're, we're doing, we're doing Van Halen here. Um, but we've, no, we did Van Halen. We, we fucking did it. We did it. We, uh, and, and I hope you all, um, enjoyed it. I, I realized that sometimes we end up doing bands that a lot of people talk about. I'm pretty sure there are probably, podcast just devoted to van halen already out there for you to listen to and so we're just two other dudes <laughs> talking about <laughs> shit that other people talk about already but um we, I think we, I, do, I, we do it differently enough we, we I, th- I think our our ranking and comparing thing makes us a gives us an edge yeah, I that, guess that's me right. being half your age. <laughs> that's you. We are there. there I mean, I, I keep forgetting that we do have a good thing going here. And I, and hopefully everyone, I mean, people do enjoy it. I mean, I mean, you know, I get some feedback. There are people, I got some guy that, you know, commented that he hopes that we don't slow down the podcast because it, get, it helps him get through work <laughs> every <Yeah>. day. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. If this is like, because that makes me feel good that we're we're that kind of podcast that people yeah. just work. My wife does that. My wife listens to us like while she's you know, working and doing other things. Oh, that's nice. And I just <laughs> like the fact that like, you know, that we even, even if that we have that kind of comforting quality that you yeah. can, you can just put us on and listen to us. And it's not, it's not anything that's going to ruin whatever you're doing. <laughs> so um, anyway, enough, enough of us tooting our own horns, I guess. Um, <laughs> So, you have anything to to add to our the end of our Van Halen ranking? Uh, rest in peace, Eddie. Yeah. Your legacy fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, hu- a huge. That's the. I think he is the biggest loss to rock and roll we've ever had. Like I, definitely one of them. I can't think of one that had that kind of reach that we've lost yet. Hmm. That, that, that wasn't already gone. Like obviously, you, every guitar player talks about Hendrix. Hendrix died early on, but yeah, kind Eddie of Van Halen club. is is somebody that he. I can't think of another one. We've had other ones outside of outside of rock music that have died that have been insanely important. But hmm. Eddie Van Halen, it feels like a really big one. It feels like the the even though like they're not a band that I have an emotional attachment to in a way that it really hurt when he died. I, I still felt it. I almost feel like as they, as, as they said in, in one of the star Wars where you, you feel a disturbance yeah. in the force or whatever. Like, I feel <laughs> like, um, Eddie Van Halen dying. You could feel it. Like it just, yeah. if you're a rock fan, even if Van Halen's not your favorite band, it's still a thing where it's just like, Oh, that hurts. It hurts that he's gone. Yeah. 
And it's, he, I mean, we all knew he had cancer, but he was just, I think there's a certain point at which you become such an icon that you become immortal in people's eyes. He you was become, a god. You become a god. Yeah. And with that comes this like kind of immortality complex that people have around you. And then when you do pass away as one of these, you know, icons, it leaves behind such a such a void because, you know, you might have left behind an incredible legacy, but there's not going to be any new stuff from this guy because yeah like that that's the shock of it also also it's it's uh it's i don't know where the quote comes from but i've always liked it um death is the great equalizer yes um and it really does like it doesn't matter how successful you are or how great you are or how much you you're going to influence the world like some people you know are born they have a job they die nobody they made no dent on the world at all except for maybe within their family then there are other people that are leaving a lasting mark on the the world, I yeah. think, for a really fucking long time. And they also die. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. doesn't matter who you are, eventually you're going to be six feet under or or ground up into a powder, depending on on what you prefer. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's a huge loss. And so um, it was appropriate that we celebrated Van Halen. And um, thank you for coming to our celebration. Um, ne- next week, I'm going to go ahead and say and be bold and say this. Um, stop me if you don't want me to say it. But next week will not be a podcast episode. Hey. Next week will be a video version on my YouTube page, the Old Head YouTube page. Hey. Now I'm 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 <laughs> hoping that that works. We're going to try it. It'll be a shorter form version of this, but people have been asking since we started, hey, couldn't you just put these up as videos and not just a a thing where you put album covers as the video? And I'm like, well, I guess we could try. And so we have to try. Eventually, we have to take the leap and try to do a visual version of this. And who knows, if if it's well-received, maybe that just becomes... The, the, the second way that we put it out, we'll just film our dumb faces the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm referring to my face. Your face is, is beautiful. Mine, uh, mine's you're too, you're too hard on yourself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, trust me. That's why I grew all this hair and beard. It's to cover up all the dumbness of my face. So the... <laughs> <laughs> so the <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> well, thanks for coming to my therapy session. so yeah um that's that's all i have to say about you know we've we've spoken enough about uh van halen and um this was a fun one and um so let we'll we'll wrap it up and so next week hopefully for those of you who are uh listening to this you'll be seeing our faces on youtube for a special video version of cranked and ranked and if not it just means that something went horribly wrong, technically speaking. <laughs> so, well, so at least we'll let the, those of you that make it all the way through our podcast, you guys get a little nugget of information. Like, you know, you can go tell everybody if you want to, I guess, but oh yeah, 
but you know, <laughs> you might want, you just don't want to spoil the surprise anyway. So thanks for listening. Thanks for continuing to listen. Um, for those of you who are listening as on the podcast, go over to YouTube and search old head podcast. And I think my channel will come up and that's where the video and all of the quote unquote visual versions of our episodes end up going. And then while you're there, type in Eddie Sparks with two X's, go check out his shit. He just put out a video that I thought was a lot of fun. Hey, and, br- um, brand new video. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> it's already out by the time this is released, but yeah, yeah. I literally, I, I watched it last night. I, I was, I was, I was having some beers and watching you on my, uh, I, what is my TV? Like 85 inches is the one I have. Um, <laughs> it's big. It's like a movie theater in that room. And, um, nice. and I just got to watch you all big on my screen, bigger than life. <laughs> And, uh, so cool. yeah, so, so go, uh, go subscribe to us and, um, yeah, that's all I got. I'm not going to drag this out anymore. This is the, this is, this is the hardest part I have is wrapping things up. Cause I'm like, what do I have to say? Anything else? I don't know. And so I do a whole lot <laughs> of, um, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to cranked and ranked. We will see you next time. Eddie, take us out, sir. Later, dude.